A reading from the book of Ephesians, chapter 3, 18 through 21. I pray that you may have the power to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, so that you may be filled with, the full, with all the fullness of God. Now to him who by the power at work with us is able to accomplish abundantly far more than we can ask or imagine. To him by be the glory of the church and in Christ to, to and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I'm imagining what it must have been like to walk in late to the service this morning and miss the announcement about the pastor's hair. I'm tempted not to say anything and just make you wonder, but the children, the kids at VBS raised $2,633 for Wellroot. And I hope this washes out. As we prepare for the sermon, would you pray with and for me? Let us pray. O oh God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O oh God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. The scripture passage that you heard this morning was the scripture that guided Vacation Bible School this year, the theme of which was Mission to Mars and Beyond. I would like to be a fly on the wall in the committee meeting of the people who put together curriculum for Vacation Bible School and figured out how to pull Mission to Mars and Beyond from the book of Ephesians. In fact, if I were to go to the people around Jesus' time, if I were to talk to the disciples and told them about what happened last week, my suspicion is that they would say, what is a Mars? I'll tell you, though, what I think is going on. In this passage, we have the writer of the letter to the churches in Ephesus talking about the nature of the love of God as being beyond our own understanding, deeper than we can possibly imagine. And yet there's a challenge in this Scripture. I want to begin with it. I'm going to read the beginning of this passage. The writer says, I pray that you may have the power to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. Did you catch that? I'm going to leave out the middle part of that sentence and you tell me what you think about this. I pray that you may have the power to comprehend the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. That makes no sense. There is no way to understand, to comprehend the love of Christ which is beyond all knowledge. It's not possible. It's ridiculous. And yet here it is. It's in my Bible. And my suspicion is that it is in yours. The question becomes, how do we talk about that which is beyond our comprehension? How do we talk about 
that which is ineffable, which is larger than our words. When it is the case that the heights and the depths and the breadth and the width of God's love is so large that we can never possibly wrap our minds around it. It is beyond our understanding. And yet the same instinct that draws us deeper into the love of God, that calls us to try to understand that thing that is not understandable, it is the same instinct that draws us to want to adventure, that, wants, that, that, that makes us want to explore you, we will never understand all of the intricacies of the universe. So do we just write it off and say, that's ah, too complicated, let's not try? No. We go deeper. We explore. We adventure. It's the same instinct that draws us into the life of faith. What we do here on Sunday mornings is not about coming and understanding and walking away saying, all right, we've got it figured out now. Life of faith is not a college course or even a list of rules. It's an adventure toward the heart of God. So the question becomes, how is it that we can do what the writer of Ephesians says and come to comprehend the love of Christ which surpasses all knowledge? I'll tell you how the kids at Vacation Bible School have done it. You'll see around the room here these stars that are hanging from the windows. On each of those stars, one of our kids has written what we call a God sighting. We asked folks throughout the week to write down the times in which they've seen God at work. Now, when you're talking about kids who don't understand metaphor, sometimes things can get a little bit literal. One of the stars on the walls, which I'm deathly afraid my own child wrote, is that I saw God while watching television. <laughs> but I'd invite you after the service to walk around and look and see the many ways in which God was at work in this place during this week. Things like I saw God at work in the volunteers. I saw God at work in my family. I saw God at work through the songs that we sang. We may not understand all the complexities of God's love, but we can experience it. We can see glimpses of it. I saw glimpses of it all week long. I mean, this is not the first time all week that I have walked around looking like a fool. No, all week long I had the chance to see our kids learning about who God is and seeing our dedicated servants, parents and grandparents and friends and youth showing the VBS campers the most important thing they could possibly learn, which is that God loves them. That each of them is God's beloved child just as each of us is God's beloved child. For all the arts and the crafts and the music and the stories, the most important message, the ways in which we see glimpses of God at work and come to understand that which we cannot understand is by showing others 
that we love them and that God loves them. We see glimpses of this in our lives. You ever see God at work? If I'm not careful, I get so stuck in my own stuff that I miss it. I forget to look up and see the remarkable goodness of God. Now, I want to do something this morning I don't often do, which is I've got a list of things I want to read to you. I asked on my Facebook page this week, some of you responded. I said, tell me the kindest thing anybody's ever done for you. And I could have said, tell me about a God sighting. It's the same thing. And I'm not going to share all of these, and I'm going to not share names as I read them, but I want to read a number of these, and after I do, this is going to take a minute, I want to tell you why it's important, I think, to share all of these God sightings with you. The question was, tell me about the kindest thing anybody's ever done for you. One woman who actually used to keep our children said that the kindest thing was when people shared their children with me after I lost my child. Even though I had no experience with infants, my friend trusted me to take her five-month-old to the doctor when he had a fever. I was hesitant, but she said, your judgment is as good as mine. You will be fine. Another person said, the kindest thing was when someone made a prayer shawl for me when I was having chemo and radiation treatment. For cancer, another said, when I received meals while receiving chemo. Another member said, I once had a bad surgical outcome, and a nurse named Marjorie, who I'd never met before my doctor's appointment, said, we've never met, but you can blame me if you want to. She goes on, I replied with a string of unsavory four-letter words, and I'll never forget her kindness for receiving that. It eased the frustration just enough to get me through a bad day. A friend of mine from college said, my parents lived close together after they divorced until I graduated from high school. They always remained civil and shared custody equally with no ongoing animosity, at least that I ever saw. They put me first in raising me, and that made all the difference. Another friend, now a pastor, said the associate pastor of my home church invited me multiple times to serve communion at a time in my faith journey when I wasn't sure if the church wanted me or if I had a place in it. He saw me and included me and valued me in the body of Christ. A former church member says, One Christmas, during the darkest period of my life, my pastor handed me a $1,000 check from an anonymous donor. I was floored with gratitude, and to this day, I am grateful for the people in my church. Another person, a member of this church, said, I once accidentally threw away a favorite ring. My husband dumpster dived and dug through the garbage bags until he found it. This is why we are married. <laughs> Another friend said, one of my friends drove across three states to be, to be with me when my husband was dying. Another when good friends of mine from church opened their doors to me when I was homeless. Another. When we first came to Decatur First, I was basically a lifelong non-believer. Some folks in the church showed me that being a Christian didn't mean what I thought it had meant. Their kindness and patience with my journey is what helps me strive to be good and kind every day. Another friend. We adopted a child at 15 years old. She was in the band and she played flute. The school provided her with an instrument, but it was shared, and we couldn't afford to buy or rent her one. A member of our church bought her a flute, 
of her own. She didn't want her to have to borrow something so personal. Another friend, a pastor, says, when I brought my mother home from the hospital to die and the hospice nurse had not yet arrived, I was confronted with needing to do all sorts of nursing tasks for her that would violate her privacy and mine. And suddenly her doorbell rang, and it was a member of the church I was serving, a nurse. And at that moment, she was my pastor. She calmly took me aside and said, let me help you with this so that you can be her daughter. I will be her nurse for now. I still cry tears of gratitude when I remember that awful time. Another, when I was in the midst of a divorce, my family, feeling like it was being blown up, my friends took up a love offering so I could have a spa day. Another, after my foster son unexpectedly was returned to his biological family, a church member and good friend went through my house and put away all the baby stuff in one room and shut the door so I didn't have to look at it. This was a big job because my house was covered in toys, but that act of kindness helped me on my road to healing. Another, my sister-in-law took us in when our new house wasn't built and we didn't have anywhere to live. Another, the loving parents who in their utmost grief donated their beautiful daughter's organs so that other people could have life. Our child was the grateful recipient of two of those organs and will spend the rest of our lives being thankful for the generosity of Elizabeth's parents. One of my fraternity brothers shared, this has been a challenging year. Grandmother passed in January. Grandfather passed nine weeks later. Dad had quadruple bypass in between. My uncle was on the back end of stem cell treatments. All of this at the same time. The other week, I got a random text message from a friend to see if I was in my office. She pulled up five minutes later with a honey bun and a can of Sundrop. If you are from Alabama, you know of the liquid gold that is Sundrop soda. He said she and her husband had been thinking about me, just wanted to do something nice. It made my day. I'm going to share one more member of this church. I lost a family member and a member of the church paid my salary until the end of the year so I could take some time off. That's a pretty extensive list and I don't share rapid fire stories like that all that often, but I want to tell you three reasons why I want to share one more story with you and then I'll sit down. The first reason, of course, is that to see this kind of kindness all in one place for me is deeply moving. I can't tell you the number of people on that thread who commented, this thread has restored my faith in humanity. In a world that can feel dark and difficult and hopeless, being reminded of the goodness of people, which points to the goodness of God, that is deeply important because we will never understand the heights, nor the depths, nor the breadth, nor the width of God's goodness and love. The second reason is that for as good as all of these things are, and they are deeply good, Scripture tells us that God's love for us is even greater than this. We worship a God who's not distant but who is with us and loves us. The final reason, though, is that some of these stories are difficult and complicated and require a lot of energy or money. And I don't know where you're coming from necessarily, but I bet that a honey bun and a sun drop are not beyond your means. This friend of mine 
named that act, that small act, as the kindest thing anyone had ever done for him. Friends, it is true what Mother Teresa says, that small things done with great love can change the world. Our participation in God's love is possible. I'm going to share one final story with you. And I need you to know I am breaking a personal rule in telling this story. It's my rule. I'm going to tell you what the rule is. When I tell stories about myself, I am almost always playing the character of the fool in that story. The main reason that's the case is that in most of the stories I know about myself, I am playing the fool. But I want to tell one story in which I am the hero, and I want to tell you why I'm telling you this. This story was part of that thread on Facebook, and I wish I could tell you that I paid somebody's salary or drove across three states. But the act of kindness that is mentioned in this story is not even all that kind. It's something that took me 30 seconds and is part of my everyday work. You see, there was a man at a former church who was part of the preschool. His child was in the preschool. I'd met him probably. I don't know that I could have picked his name out of a lineup. And another member of the church heard that he had had a stroke. He was a young man. And so, one Tuesday, I called him just to say, we're praying for you. I didn't drop what I was doing and go. I didn't take a meal to his family. I just called him. When I asked the question of, tell me the kindest thing anybody's ever done for you, I want you to know what he said. I've been blessed with many beautiful souls in my life. One example, my wife had to rush me to the hospital for a life-threatening medical issue. They admitted me where I had to stay for a few days. I was really depressed and stressed about my life and how my career was about to change. A young Methodist pastor, who he notes was very fond of seersucker suits, called to see how I was doing. I was out of it, and I don't think I was very nice to him on the phone, but it was one of many acts of love over a long time that helped me recover spiritually and mentally, which then had a great effect on my physical recovery. He adds, good luck on the sermon. I remember that phone call, though it wasn't long. And it wasn't any part of the phone call that made it memorable. What made it memorable is that that small act, which, honest to God, I didn't even really think much about, led him to come to church the Sunday he got out of the hospital and to come back the next week and to come back the next week and to ask me prior to the next Easter if he could be baptized, which he was. It is true, dear friends, that small things done with great love 
can change the world. And so I pray that you may have the power to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who by the power at work within us, within us, is able to accomplish abundantly far more than all we can ask or imagine. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations, forever and ever. Amen.